listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2022. We're here. We made it. We survived. By the grace of God, we have witnessed another year in and and a new one begin. But just to take a, a hard right right here and just get a little dark with you. I mean, there's no other way to segue into this. Um, it, it seems like most years end with the deaths of, of well-known people. Have you ever noticed that? It's like almost every year there's significant deaths. I mean, they're all significant, but there's people that like, they're known all over the whole world. And, and just this past week, we've experienced the death of, of some significant celebrities. On December the 30th, John Madden, legendary NFL coach and broadcasting icon, he died at the age of 85 years old, 85 and many of you, you grew up on Madden NFL video games. And so, I mean, that's, that's the, the iconic name behind the, the, the games. This won't matter to some of you, but it matters to me. Sam Jones, the Basketball Hall of Famer, died on December the 31st at 88 years old. And if you don't know anything about him, he played for my Celtics. And, and he, he was a 10-time NBA champion, second only to his teammate, Bill Russell, who had 11. And, and he died on, on, on December the 31st, on New Year's Eve. And, and we can't go through this without mentioning actress Betty White. Betty White, 99 years old, died December the 31st, just 17 days before her 100th birthday. And yet, for some of us in the room, death in 2021 hit much closer to home, if we're just honest. I mean, those things matter, but but some of you, your personal world was rocked because of death in 2021. When you lost friends or loved ones that didn't live to see 2022. I'm in my final stretch of my 25th year of full-time ministry, and I've never seen so many deaths, never. I, I know there was one week that I either preached or participated in Six funerals in as many days. And I've never seen anything like this before in all of the previous 24 years of ministry. And I want those of you that have suffered some loss this year, I want you to know my prayers are with you. I know what it feels like losing my dad in 2020. I know what this day feels like last year. And my prayers are with you, and I want you to experience a better and a prosperous new year. And I'm just believing it's going to be your best year ever. I do believe that. I, I, I'm, I'm prophesying that. I'm saying that over you today. It's going to be your best year ever. But as you will see today, the biblical new year involves death. There's no other way around it. The biblical new year always involves death. January 1st is celebrated all over the world as the beginning of the new year. And although I don't have a problem with the festivities of ringing in a new year, I don't. I really don't. I mean, I, I kiss my wife at midnight every year. It, it's, and so we, we, we're, we're part of it. And I don't have a problem with it, but we, almost, we, we must understand. Let me say that. We must understand that there are numerous calendars that are running simultaneously. All at the same time. Uh, let, let me kind of share it like this, if I can explain it. To the average person, January 1 begins a new year, and, and it, it signifies new beginnings, new opportunities. 
that, that's how most of us look at it. But, but you walk up to a school teacher and you say, in the middle of September, you say, man, this year is flying by. It just began for them. It, it just started. Bless those little kids, their, their stupid hearts and their dumb heads. I mean, <laughs> these teachers are just trying their best to survive it. And you're like, man, this year is almost over. And they're like, no, it just started. You take, for instance, like a, a sports team. Sports teams, they, they, they look at their years, their seasons, when the beginning of the next season starts, whether it be baseball, football, basketball, volleyball, whatever it is. It, it starts when the season starts. And they'll say things like, this is our year. This is our year. This is the year that we're going to, to win the championship. This is our year. And so their, their year starts then. And to the U.S. government, the fiscal year ends on September the 30th, and the new year begins on October the 1st. I'm with you. It doesn't really matter, right? I mean, fiscal year. I did not say fiscal responsibility starts then. I said fiscal year starts then. So, yeah, whatever. Um, but even as it relates to Judaism and the Jewish faith, I need you to understand that, that in Jewish culture there are various new years that are celebrated. It's not just one. Simultaneously, there are, are calendars that are running together. There's this tradition, uh, it's, it's the Jewish New Year that's called Rosh Hashanah, and it falls on the first day of the Jewish month of Tishri, which is actually their seventh month, and they don't apologize for that. They know it's their seventh month, but it's their new year. And, and this is the first day of what they call their civil year, it's the first day of the civil year for the Jews, and, and it's recognized by most rabbis, whether the Jews know it or not, by most rabbis, they recognize that as the day that God created Adam and Eve. And it usually falls around our calendar month of September. You'll see it pop up on your calendar sometimes, Rosh Hashanah. And then there's Tubi Shavat. And Tubi Shavat is the new year for trees. Now, a, a lot of of, of, of Jews don't celebrate this one as much today. It's often called now the Jewish Earth Day. It's the celebration of trees. But it, 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 it used to be, and it still is for some, this time of enjoying the first fruits of the year. First fruits of the year. So it's a new year for them. Then there's also the beginning of Ulul. And Ulul, this is the time of year that the Jews begin preparing for the upcoming high holidays. It's kind of like for us uh, that stretch between Thanksgiving and Christmas. There's a lot of preparation that goes in there, a lot of last-minute shopping, that kind of stuff. That's what happens, except on a much holier level than, than, than ours. A lull is, is that, that time span, and, and that's kind of looked as, as a new beginning. But the Jewish New Year that I want to focus on is actually the biblical New Year. If you want to know where it actually starts, I can show it to you in Scripture. I'm going to show it to you today. There is a biblical New Year. And like I said, church, I don't have any problems with us celebrating January 1st and ringing in the new year. No problem at all. But we must recognize that the new year beginning on January 1 it is highly influenced by the Romans. I'm not saying it's evil, okay? I'm, I'm, not saying it's, I'm not saying you're going to hell because you celebrated New Year's, okay? That's not what I'm saying. But I do want you to understand that it is influenced by the Romans. The month of January, it gets its name from the Roman god Janus. Who, who was the Roman god of doorways, archways, and gates. And that's important. I want you to hold on to that. Put it on the back burner. Let it simmer for a little while. I'm going to come back to that in just a few moments. But, but Janus was the Roman god of doorways, archways, and gates. 
they depicted him as having two faces. This Roman god Janus had two faces, one that looked to the future and one that looked to the past. And as far back as 153 BC, Roman leaders took office and gained power on January 1. When Julius Caesar introduced the Julian calendar, it declared that January 1 would be the official new year. And after a few refinements in 1582, it was the Roman Catholic Pope, Pope Gregory VIII, that presented the Gregorian calendar, which is what we live by now. But you need to understand that that calendar is a creation of the Roman Empire. That's, that's We live out the Roman Empire creation of the calendar. As Christians, now listen to me close, because I promise you, there, there's, there's a lot of Judaism and, and Jewish history that I'm going to be teaching today. I need you to stay with me, because I believe this is so important for us as Christians. So please hear me out. As Christians, the biblical new year is far more important to us than January 1. There's so much to unpack with it. Not so much the date. And and listen to me. I don't want anyone to get hung up on a date, okay? Not so much the date, but the meaning behind the biblical new year. And today, on this first Sunday of 2022, I want us to look at what a biblical new year means to us. Because we need to declare it over our lives today. And... It's the first month of what they call Abib, which is now in their more modern calendar, uh, Nisan. It's it's spelled kind of like Nisan, but it's not, but it's Nisan. And it's actually, on our calendar, it's somewhere between late March and early April. But let's don't get hung up on that, okay? Let's look at the mentality, let's look at the spirit behind it, and let's see how this applies to us as Christians. I'm going to be reading today out of Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. And there are a lot of details here in in what I'm about to read. It's very intentional um, by God and me, okay? So I need you to listen close, pay attention to it. If you you have your Bible, leave it open. I'm going to be coming back and referring to a few things here in just a few moments. It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bible. But let's read Exodus chapter 12, starting with verse 1. It says, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Let me pause there just for a moment, just explain to you that they figured out that that 10 people, somewhere around 10 people, could eat from one lamb. And so that's how they would judge according to the size of the household. And so if if you didn't have that many people in your household, then you would combine with your neighbor and y'all would share a lamb together. Verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw, 
are boiled in water, but roasted its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it. With your belt fastened, listen to what he says here, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Let's stop. He said, I want you to be prepared. The first sign of that was the unleavened bread, because when, when, when there's, there's yeast that makes the bread rise, you have to wait on that. He said, I don't want you waiting around. He said, I want you to, to eat bread that is unleavened. We don't have time to watch it rise. And he said, I want you to have your belt on. I want you to have your shoes on. I want you to have your staff in your hand. And the reason why is because God knows this is about to be a quick getaway. They are about to find freedom from years and years of slavery. God knows what's on the horizon, and he's telling them, when you eat this, I need you to eat this prepared and ready to go. Is that not the way we should live our lives, prepared and ready to go? How many of you are prepared and ready to go for the day that Christ comes to receive his church? Amen? I want to live my life prepared and ready to go. He says, it's the Lord's Passover. Verse 12, for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night. And I will strike all the firstborn in the land of, of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now, church, what you have to understand is that this was the tenth and the final plague that God was sending Upon Egypt. Interesting enough is, is the fact that, that more is said about this particular plague, the tenth plague, than all the other plagues. He, he dedicates some, some scriptural territory that is reserved for the description of this plague. And, and, and this should come as no surprise to us because this would would become the foundation of Jewish worship. This would become the celebration of Passover that is still celebrated to this very day. But as you will see, church, this also became the foundation for our Christian faith. This has as much importance or, or even more for, for everyone, all that cover this planet. I'm telling you, this is the moment that, that we base everything that we believe on. Stay with me in an attempt to get the attention of Pharaoh so that he would let God's people go, God sent these plagues upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. But with all the other plagues, God just said that he was sending them upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt, and, and they just happened. Moses and Aaron would walk into Pharaoh's court. They would stand before him. They'd say, listen, God wants you to let his people go. If you don't, here's what's going to happen, and it would happen. If I was Pharaoh, after three or four, I would have probably stopped letting Moses and Aaron walk in. I, I don't know what he, but he was just that proud and just that arrogant. And by the way, one thing you have to consider here is that Moses was a prince of Egypt. He was raised in Pharaoh's home. He had access to the court. He may have been gone for 40 years, but he was still considered royalty. 
And so he was walking in, had face-to-face conversations, and nine times he walks in and he says, hey, if you don't let this happen, here's what's going to happen, and and God would make it happen. Water turned into blood. That was the first plague. The second one was an infestation of frogs. My my daughter-in-law, she she hates frogs. She does. She would have packed up her things and left Egypt immediately. There was an infestation of frogs. There was an infestation of gnats. There was an infestation of flies. Then there was, there was death of their livestock. And then there, there was boils that, that, that came up on their skin. And then there was a hailstorm. And I know for some of you, you're like, well, that's not that bad. Hailstorm's not that bad. It was so bad that if anybody was outside, it killed them, them and their animals. They had to bring their animals inside. You imagine bringing in all your cattle and, and, and sheep. and every, You bring them all inside, indoors, or they're going to be struck down by, by large pieces of, of hail. And, and so there was a hailstorm. The eighth one was, was locusts. Locusts just covered the land. And then finally, number nine was darkness. Darkness covered. But this tenth and final plague was the only one that was interactive for the Hebrews. Every time before that, it would be God stating something and Pharaoh had to make a choice, but it didn't involve the Hebrews except for let my people go. That was it. There was nothing that they had to do. This was the only plague that would require participation from the Jews. In order for them to be spared from this plague, they would have to take the blood of an innocent lamb, a spotless lamb. And they would have to take that blood and they would have to put it on both sides of the doorpost and on the lintel, on, on, on the beam over, overhead. And, and they would have to cover that in blood. And, and when they did, then, then that would cause the death angel to fly over there. They were passed over. We don't like being passed over except on stuff like this. We want to be passed over. We, we, we don't like being overlooked, but you want to be overlooked on Passover night. And so if blood was on the doorpost of that household, the death angel would go over. Now, now the Romans might claim that, that Janus, you know, that Roman god, um, that he's the god of doorways and passages. But I want you to listen to what Jesus claimed. Jesus made it plain that he is the door. You might think and claim that, that your god is the god of doorways, passages, and gates. But Jesus said in John 10 and 7, so Jesus said again to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Then in John 10 and 9, he said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus makes it very plain. You can claim all of the the deity and godships that you want to, but he says, I am the door. I am the door. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus claimed he's the door. And the blood of the lamb applied to the entryway of the home, the doorpost, it would be enough to keep the death angel from killing the firstborn child of that household. Now, there are a couple of progressions that I want to bring to your attention today, okay? This is important, and, and, and this is good. You need to take note of this. this. This is so important for our faith. In Genesis chapter 3, we know that Adam and Eve have sinned. It was only after they sinned and they had the knowledge now of of good and evil that they recognized that they were naked. When they recognized that they were naked, the Bible says that they went and they took fig leaves and they covered up themselves. Okay? That's a horrible sight, right? This this would be in your mind forever. (laughs) They covered themselves with fig leaves. When God comes looking for them and calling them and they're hiding from God, 
The Bible says, now I'm, I'm condensing this, but the Bible says that when God saw that they were covered with fig leaves, it wasn't enough. Some of you need to take note of that, okay? Sometimes fig leaves are just not enough. You need a little bit more covering, okay? I'm going to leave that right there. It's not even what I'm preaching about today, but you know who I'm talking to, okay? God looks at them and realizes fig leaves are not enough, and the Bible says that God went and killed animals, and he made the first clothing out of animal skins. Most scholars believe that God killed two sheep, two lambs, and he covered Adam with one and Eve with one. Now listen, I haven't gone back and studied all this in the Hebrew. I can't verify that, but it makes sense to me. Because from the beginning of humanity, in order to cover our shame, to cover our sin, something has to die. And so in, in, in Genesis chapter 3, God kills animals. We're going to say sheep. He killed lambs and he covered Eve with one and he covered Adam with another. Then in Exodus chapter 12, our text for today, we read where one whole lamb could redeem a household. You would kill one lamb and you would take the blood of that lamb and you would put it on the doorpost and it redeems the entire household. Later, with the institution of Yom Kippur, which is in the Bible called the Day of Atonement, with the Day of Atonement, one lamb sacrifice would suffice for the whole nation of Israel. I want you to stay with me now. Get this. In the beginning, one lamb to cover each person. Exodus chapter 12 at the Passover, one lamb covers the entire household. On the Day of Atonement, one lamb covers the entire nation. You get over to the New Testament, and Jesus comes walking towards his cousin John, who's waiting to baptize him. And when he gets there, in John chapter 1 and verse 29, John says these words when he sees Jesus. He says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of what? Say it loud. What? The world. The sin of the world. John 3.16, for God so loved what? The world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. What started with, with one lamb per person to redeem them was now one lamb for the entire household. Then a lamb had to die on the day of atonement to redeem a nation. And Jesus shows up on the scene, the spotless lamb with no sin, he dies for humanity and it covers the entire world so that all of us, Jew and Gentile alike, so that we could all be saved. That's the power of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made. One lamb that takes away the sin of the world. The second progression that I want to bring to your attention, it's much more simple and elementary, but I see it just as powerful. I noticed as I was reading through this that the terminology, just, just two words and how they change just slightly. Notice how the lamb is referenced in Exodus chapter 12 in verse 3. He says, tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb. Somebody say, a lamb. Take a lamb according to their father's houses. A lamb for a household. A lamb. You get to verse 4. And verse 4 starts with, and if the household is too small for a lamb, say a lamb. But then when you get to the bottom, he says, you shall make your count for the lamb. Now, stay with me. 
Because here's what happens in our, in our, in our walk, our, our, our faith walk, if, if I could say it like that. In our faith walk, it starts with this. We, we know eternity has been set in the hearts of men. We know that. We, 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 we start thinking about it since the day we're born. Eternity is, is there. And so we know there's something out there. There's a lamb out there. There's something that's greater. And one day we come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and we know that, that there's the lamb, there is Jesus. But how many of you know it doesn't stop there because you just don't need the knowledge of Christ. It comes to a personal relationship. That's one of the differences between us and Judaism is that we recognize that it's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They're still waiting on a Messiah that they have no personal relationship with. And so you get to verse 5, and verse 5 says this, your lamb shall be without blemish. A lamb, the lamb, and then it is your lamb. 1 Corinthians 5 and 7 says, for Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. How many of you are thankful today that he is ours? He's mine. He is my lamb. He said, your lamb will be without blemish, and my lamb was without blemish. My Jesus did not know sin. He was a sinless man because he was a sinless God, and he did not know sin. He was a spotless lamb, but he is my lamb. Praise the Lord. He is my lamb. Now, Janus, I know I keep bringing him up, and I'm jumping time periods here, but it's okay. You're smart people. You can stay with me. Some of you. And uh, Janus, this Roman god that January was named after, remember I told you that he was depicted as having the, these two faces? They believed that he could see the, the future and the past. Church, I want to I submit to you today that our God is not two-faced, my God is not two-faced. As it relates to my past, my God chooses to see only what lies ahead in my life. You see, some of you, you're still stuck in 2021 and 2020 and 2019 and, and years and years and years. It, it, it stays with you from one new year to the next because you keep living bound. You keep living attached you keep dragging these suitcases of sin from one decade to the next, and, and, and it keeps following you around everywhere you go. When you submit that to Christ, when you lay that at the foot of the cross, God wants you to understand that from that moment on, he's only looking to your future, and he's not seeing your past. Some of you need to get past your past. You need to move beyond your past and realize that God is looking ahead and that he's got plans for you. Isaiah 43 and 25 says, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and I will not remember your sins. How many of you are thankful that he doesn't remember our sins? Hebrews 8 and 12, for I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. Acts 3 and 19, now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. The enemy keeps bringing your sins up over and over and over. He keeps reminding you of what you've done in the past and what's been done to you in the past. And he keeps bringing it up year after year and you keep dragging it into the new year. But this year, this year, in this spiritual new year, in this moment, understanding that the atonement for our sins is Jesus Christ, the spotless lamb, let's leave all that back in 2021 and let's walk into our promise. Let's walk into our future and let's realize 
realize that God has plans for us there and he is not worried or concerned about what's back there. Amen? Now, Pastor, what does all this have to do with the new year? What, what, what is all of this about? How are you going to, to relate this to it? I have no idea. I don't know where we're going. But I want you to think about the implications of what was happening to these people. The Hebrews in Egypt. They have been made slaves because Pharaoh and the Egyptians knew that they were becoming too numerous and they were afraid that they were going to become too powerful. There were over two million, somewhere between two and three million Hebrews in captivity. They made them slaves because they were scared of them. When Moses and Aaron show up and start having conversations with Pharaoh, he starts making the work on them harder. These people are living an oppressed life in bondage, slavery. Slave labor for a flamboyant and proud people. If you know anything about the Egyptian culture, you'll know. Flamboyant and very proud. The Hebrews, God's God's children, they were stuck in a polytheistic society that did not recognize the God of the Jews. Polytheistic, meaning they they believed in many gods. I I read one commentary that said there were over 2,000 gods that they worshipped in Egypt. Over 2,000. They had a God for everything. And Moses walks in and tells Pharaoh, he says, God, God wants you to let his people go. The Lord wants you to let his people go. And Pharaoh asked Moses, he said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let him go? He's not giving him any credit at all. And then he follows up with this. He says, I do not know the Lord. Duh. He says, I do not know the Lord. And moreover, I will not let Israel go. He has no respect for the God of Israel. None. And they're living in a polytheistic society that does not recognize their God. Sound familiar? But God was telling them that it was all about to change. This was a new year. They didn't know it was a new year. God had to tell them it was a new year. He says, this is going to be the first month of the new year that I'm leading you into. He told him, he said, on the 10th day of this month, I want you to go and I want you to find a spotless lamb on the 10th day. Think about this. I want you to take it to your house. Now, guys, there's a big difference between a lamb and a full-grown sheep. I don't know if you've ever been around a young lamb, but they're cute. They're cuddly. I want one. They grow up like dogs, and then you don't want them anymore. He said on the 10th day of this first month, I want you to go and find a spotless lamb. 
take it to your house. You're going to fall in love with it. Your kids are going to like playing with it. You're going to probably name it. On the 10th day, take it to your house. And then on the 14th day, you're going to have to take that pet lamb that you're attached to and you're going to have to kill it. Because the only way that your life can be spared is through the sacrifice of that lamb. The only way that my life was spared was through the spotless lamb known as Jesus Christ, the Son of God. new year it may not feel like it but it's a new year God looked at Moses and he said mark your calendar mark your calendar this month will be the start of a new year for you but I want you to watch this I want to go back to the first verse of our text today Exodus chapter 12 and verse 1 and it says everything we need to know as we enter into this new year. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, in the land of Egypt. That's everything you need to know to walk into this new year. In the land of Egypt, a new year started. It didn't look like it. Because when you walk out of one season, it seems to resemble a lot of the last season, right? When you walk out of, out of winter, that last day of winter looks a lot like the first day of spring. We know it's going to change. But in that moment, it just it looks the same. And this new year for the Hebrews, it, it was starting in Egypt, in captivity, in bondage. They weren't a free people yet. But God was declaring it to be a new year over this nation of people. I think what God wants you to understand is that 2022, January the 2nd of 2022, it might look a lot like January 1st of 2022. It might look a lot like December the 31st of 2021. Hey, it might look like January 1st of 2020 or 2019 or well, let's face it, after 2019 and 2020, nothing looks the same. But, 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 but you know what I mean. It might not look promising right now, church, but today, as we start a spiritual new year for us, God wants you to know that even though you can't see it, the chains are coming off. That even though you can't see it, you're going to walk out of bondage. You're coming out of Egypt, and you are heading towards your promised land. It does not look like it, but there was a lamb that paid the price so that you could live, and that lamb said that I came to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. And today we declare that 2022 is more abundant over our lives. In Jesus' name, your new year begins now.
Somebody say now. It may not look like it, but it begins now. Today, we walk into a new year. And we will trust the unseen hand for a promised future. Because we know that he ordains our steps. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.